Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. I've titled this The Cost of Discipleship. Say what? The Cost of Discipleship. Say what? Because many people, when they hear, wait, 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 there's a cost to this being a disciple? They're not familiar with that and they're going to say what? Now tell me what? So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. As we continued, we've covered in the last few weeks how Jesus asked those first disciples to follow him, right? What were the words? He said, follow me, follow me. And they immediately cast down what they were doing and began to follow him. There was something powerful in those words that he said, that he uttered, that pierced their heart. And they recognized this is somebody different. There's authority there. There's, there's spiritual uh, ability there that I've, I'm not uh, familiar with. I need to find out more of this. And so they began to follow him. And in, and in that process, he taught them how to be disciples. Amen? Just like he's teaching each of us every day. How many here are perfect already? Any, any hands here? No? No, of course not. None of us here are perfect. We're all learning. We're all learning to be the disciple that Christ wants us to be. It's a lifelong process. And we as the church are to love one another. Everyone say, love one another. Love one another. That's your job as a disciple. And we all know that. And that's the beauty of, I love our, our church. The, this size, it's great. I, I'm not content to be this size, but I love it right now because we can go around and praying for each other. We can lay hands on each other, give each other a hug, give each other words of comfort, which it's much harder to do that in a larger church. Not that it can't be done, but we have the advantage to be able to do do that so much more easily here. And so again, that's part of discipleship. And so if everybody have an outline, if you don't, raise your hand, you'll get one this morning. But I want to talk to you about the scriptures, how the scriptures clearly teach one thing that is free, and that's the gift of salvation. Every one of you here that at some point or another have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, receive that free. In other words, you didn't have to pay for that. You didn't have to earn it. There's nothing you had to do. You didn't have to say so many prayers and so many um, uh, coming to church before God accepted you. No. All it took was one simple occasion of you in your heart saying, Lord, I need you. I believe that you rose again on that third day for me, that you, you died on that cross for me and for my sins. You have forgiven me of those sins. And in turn, I receive you into my life as Lord, as Savior, as leader of my life from this day forward. How many have done that here? Right? And when you did that, that was given to you free. The Bible calls that a gift. A gift. A gift of God. See, you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work hard enough for it. It's not based on works. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. God gives it to you and I for free. Amen? Remember on the cross? He was crucified. Jesus was next to two thieves. There was one thief though. He didn't deserve it, but yet... 
He asked the Lord to forgive him. And what did Jesus tell him? This day you will be with me in paradise. This day. Why? Because at the very last moment, it just shows you that by His grace, even though our past may be filled with wrongdoings, with sins, God wipes all that away. He wipes it all away and says, it's forgotten, it's forgiven. Now it's up to you to begin this new walk in Christ. And I thank Him every day for that. I wasn't born into this. I walked into this and when God forgave me of my past, that was such a relief. It took all the weight off my shoulders. I began to live differently and with a freedom like never before. And that's because it's free. Becoming a true and faithful disciple, on the other hand, is not free. See, God gives it to you and I for free because of the enormous price God, uh, uh, God's Son paid for on the cross. See, it's free, but Jesus paid with His life. He paid and gave everything. And us, all we have to do is just receive it. But, but to walk in discipleship is not always free. Okay, I'm here to tell you, it's the salvation part is free, but now beginning your walk, it's going to be a cost to you. There's going to be a cost to you at some point. So I'm here today not to scare you from walking with God, but just to tell you that, and I don't want you to ever walk away from here saying, well, Pastor Rick said I could get saved and that everything was going to be perfect from that day forward. No, there are churches that will tell you that. I'm not going to tell you, and I'm not going to lie to you, because that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God clearly says that when you begin to take Jesus Christ on as your Savior, the enemy who had you right here in his back pocket, see I have this handkerchief? I know where it's always at. It's in my right back pocket at all times, okay? I know it's there, because I put it there every single morning. But if it's missing one day, I'm going like, What happened to my handkerchief? Where'd it go? Well, that's exactly what your enemy tries to do when you begin going to church, when you begin reading His Word, when you begin getting down and praying to the Lord, when you begin talking to others about what Christ has done to your life. All of a sudden, the enemy's going, wait a minute, I had you right here. He's going to go searching for you. He's going to try to get you back and put you in his back pocket. How many know that today? You will face times of trials and sorrow. They could be health issues. There could be relationship issues. There could be job issues tomorrow at work. That crazy co-worker, you know, that you're going to face tomorrow. But God promises to walk with you through that process. Amen. 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 So he's going to protect you. Amen. Amen. So again, becoming a true and faithful disciple is not free. See, before that call, we were able to live without faith. Before we started following Jesus, we didn't have faith. None of us had eyes of faith to see what was happening. We could have even had a a good life without God, you know, according to the world. But it was a life without faith. But now as a disciple, God wants you to walk in faith. He wants you to walk with eyes of faith. For we walk not by sight, but by faith. Amen? Amen. 
Our first step of faith places us in a position where faith is possible then. When we first begin to walk with Christ, now all things are possible. The scripture says that all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. How many here believe today? Do you believe anything is possible in your life today? Whatever that number one prayer is that you have, it's possible to you today. Amen. It's possible now as a believer. It's not possible if you're an unbeliever because God is not going to walk with you. He wants to walk with you, but He wants you to take that step and say, okay, I'll follow you. I'll follow you. I'll do what you want. And when you do that, then we obediently begin to, to listen to whatever it is He wants us to, to do. Uh, whether He wants us to go left, whether He wants us to go right, when we begin to listen to His Holy Spirit, then and only then does faith begin to work in our lives. Amen? I want you to um, look at your outline this morning. Won't you stand with me? I want to read that text in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 14, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, it's on your outline. I put it on there, and uh, we may even have it up on the screen, maybe. But I want to read, starting in Luke, chapter 14, and verse 25. It says this, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, He said, If anyone comes to Me, and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming with uh, 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. I know your word endures forever. It's unchanging, Lord. And I pray, give us insight, Lord, into what your word is saying to each of us. Lord, it is alive and powerful, more powerful than a two-edged sword, Lord. We pray right now for understanding, for wisdom. I pray for boldness, that I may declare your word the way you intended it for every listener this morning. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Again, I'm, I'm certainly uh, thankful for salvation and I know each of you here this morning are thankful for that free salvation that was given to you. How many like free gifts, right? That's why we appreciate our brother Garland here. He's always giving us free gifts. Give, give him a hand. You, you know why? I, I mean, he's so, he's so nice that he brings all this stuff that he gives away to our congregation. Um, he doesn't have to do that, number one. Nobody asked him to do that. But he does that because he wants to bless this, this fellowship here. So we all appreciate free gifts. All of us do. Spiritually speaking, there's no greater gift than the free gift that we have received from Christ. When Christ paid our debt... But see, here's the thing. There is very little blessing or reward 
in serving the Lord just conveniently. Once we receive that gift, if we just kick back and say, okay, I got free, free uh, spiritual, I got a past now, right? God forgave me of my past. Now I can just kick back and enjoy the rest of my life and live my life as I please. No, it doesn't work that way, okay? There's some people that will... We'll, we'll look at the word that way. It's even taught in some churches that, yeah, God forgave you, now you can go ahead and live your life as you please. That's not Bible, amen? amen. That's not the way it works. Another person may say, considering God's investment in us, what is he getting in return? That's the question I want to ask you this morning. Considering God's investment in each of you, what's he getting in return? What's he getting in return? Think about that for a few moments. See, the, the scriptures reveal to us that there is a cost. There is a cost. And that very first word, I, uh, first word, the very first verse I read, verse 26, it includes this word called hate. And if you've never ever read that scripture before and you heard that right now, you're thinking, wait a minute. You're actually going, say what? Hate? How many had that initial reaction when you first read that scripture? Whether it was today or years ago. I remember reading that scripture and I couldn't understand. What do you mean hate? I got to hate my brothers and sisters and my mother and, and everybody? No, that's not, it's not the word hate as you and I know it today. Hate is a very strong word, number one. How, how many of you, don't be that like this where you go around and going, I hate this weather. I don't like it when it's hot. How many of you say things like that? You know, it's not, you don't, you don't mean to say I hate this weather. You just, you dislike it. Okay, but a lot of us have a habit of, oh, I, I hate getting up early. No, you don't hate it. You just dislike it. There's a big difference. When you hate something, that's a very powerful and emotional thing. Okay, so, so let's not get into the habit of using hate. But in this case, the word hate here, what's really transpiring is Jesus is saying this. He's saying, look, if you're going to follow me and make me your Lord, you got to put everything else down here and put me up here. In other words, you can't have that, that, uh, that 2016 Shelby Mustang as your idol. I'd love that car. Or a Bugatti. Okay. But you can't have that as your idol and try to love me on the same level. It's not going to work. you got to put your spouse here and me up here. you got to love everybody a little bit less, but love me the most, is what he's declaring right here with that word. So I don't want you to misunderstand that. He doesn't want you to hate your brother, your sister, your spouse. He just wants you to make sure that you're elevating God Almighty up here where he firmly belongs. Does everybody understand that this morning? Amen? The scripture again, it said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot, everybody say cannot, be my disciple. That's powerful. Again, he's emphasizing, if you're putting something else up here with, with me, with God, you can't be my disciple. 
You, it doesn't work that way. God wants you to forsake all others for Him. The Bible says in the Old Testament that He can be a jealous God. He's vying for your love, for your attention, and He doesn't want to share that with anybody else. If you're married here today, do you want to share your love with your spouse with somebody else? Of course not. Of course not. That's ridiculous. And it's the same with, with our Lord and Savior. He's vying for your love, your attention, and He wants to bless you in that way. And, and so we must learn to put everything else down and, and not um, love them on the same level as God. Amen. And that can be a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing sometimes when you first become a believer um, to set aside certain things. I've told you about how for me, you know, I was such a sports junkie and, and the Lord told me, well, listen, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you've got to set aside all those things that are, you know, dominating your, your life. That was my number one thing is just being involved in sports. And it revolved around my life 24-7. Uh, I had ESPN, you know. Uh, I had Sports Illustrated. I mean, 24-7, right? And that was preventing me, and it was going to prevent me from being the disciple I needed to be. So God said, no, you have to cut that back. You have to remove it. And I did. And now I still follow sports. Got to love my warriors, right? But again, amen? And the point is, I gave that up so that I could put him number one. And whatever it is in your life, if you have something today that's competing against the Lord you're not going to be able to walk the way God designed you to walk in the steps of truthfulness, of being a true disciple, until you do that, until you put those things aside. Again, He wants to be number one in your life. Amen? Amen. He's also implying with that scripture that our love for Him must be so strong and abiding that when compared to anybody else, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, that it pales in comparison. I mean, that's, he that's heavy to say that. Because we know we love our spouses, we love our children, we love our grandchildren, and we love to spoil them. But what God is saying is, see that love there? I know how great it is, but it must pale in comparison to the love you have for me. He wants you to make Him number one in your life today. Amen? Amen. So our love for Christ must exceed the love we have for anyone or anything. A Shelby Mustang or a Bugatti or, or the four-bedroom, three-bath house on a, on a hill in a gated community, whatever that might be. He wants you to put Him number one above that. Now, there's nothing wrong with having material possessions. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, if He's blessed you to have possessions, that's great. That's a blessing for you. But He wants you to put Him number one in your life. Amen. And because of that, there are expectations. Expectations. There's the cross, and we read the scripture where we have to carry our cross and bear it, right? The verse, verse 27 said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross. There's a picture um, that I asked Raquel to put up here. Everybody see this up here on the screen? Cross training. I love that. It's a t-shirt. Cross training. How many like to work out? Raise your hand. You like to work out? This is every disciple's workout right here. It's cross training. Where can we get one? Online. Look it up. I'm not sure where, but you can get it. Look it up online. Cross training t-shirt. That's all I can help you with. 
And that is our life as a disciple right there, is bearing that cross. Bearing that cross. And what does that mean? It's, it's taking those burdens that, that you're going to face over time, every day, and as you carry them, walking with them, He's going to help you through that process. See, without the Lord in your life, you're going to still have trials. You're still going to have sorrows. How empty, how hard will it be if you don't have God helping you through that process? Amen. God so desperately wants to help you. He really does. He sent His own Son to die for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. And here we are today. Some of us still struggle. Well, should I, should I not be a disciple of the Lord? See, the words of Jesus, we, we covered this a couple weeks ago. Follow me. Everybody say that. Follow me. Follow me. And here is what I would tell you as a, your pastor is, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Follow me and together we will follow Christ. It reminds me, when we were young, my brother Reuben in the back can attest to this, but here's the thing. When my dad would yell, Hey, Ricky Reuben, get over here. It wasn't a suggestion. When your dad, especially if your dad is old school, it wasn't a suggestion, right? Anybody have an old school dad? When they yelled for you to come, they meant right now, not in five minutes, not in 30 seconds. They meant right now, come, and, come right now. Basically, he was saying, come and follow me. And, and we'd have to run over there and, and yes, uh, what, what do you need? And usually it was help around, you know, tool. He was fixing something, right, Reuben? He was fixing something. And so we needed to help him with that. The Lord, when He calls you, He says, follow me. It's not a suggestion. This is what I want you to think about this morning. It's not a suggestion. He's asking you, follow me. And He's expecting you to come with Him. He, every one of the disciples whom He said, follow me, followed Him. You know why? Because He expected that. He expects each of us as well to follow Him. That's the beginning of your walk in Christ. And that's, that's what's amazing about the Lord is when He speaks to you, and He may have been speaking to you this morning in your heart, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Sometimes we need to hear those words, I love you. Church, God loves you today, man. He loves you. And He wants you to follow Him so that He can help you with every struggle you face every day of your life. Amen. So our, our daily sacrifice is, is carrying that cross. Every one of us carry that cross. The Bible said, whoever does not carry his cross cannot be my disciple. You cannot be His disciple if you're not willing to pay the price. If you're not willing to pay the price, we must be pay, willing to pay the price. I mean, let's face it today. Those of you that came here today, you got up early. Some of you, you know, could have chosen to stay in bed. That's the, that's the thing that, that most of the world does on Sunday mornings. They stay in bed. They sleep in. They have a big breakfast. Oh boy, I better not go there. I'm hungry. And they enjoy their Sunday morning watching TV or going out for a walk and all that stuff, but nothing of spiritual things of God. They neglect that. But here you sacrifice, and it's a very simple sacrifice to be here. We're not like other countries. If you, if you read what's going on in the Middle East and other parts of the world where they're truly going through trials and tribulations because of their faith, 
here we are, we're so, I, I don't want to use the word spoiled, but nothing else comes to my mind at this point. We are so spoiled in our Western world, in our Western culture, amen? And all it takes is, is somebody, a missionary from another country to come here, and they'll tell you, you people are spoiled here, which we are, every one of us. And thank God that we live here. We didn't have a choice, but God placed you here in this community. He placed you here today in this church to remind you that He loves you. Amen? We must be willing to die to the desires of our flesh. See, so again, you could have chosen to to stay in in bed at home, but you said, no, I'm going to get up, take a shower, get dressed, go to church. You chose to, to kill that desire. Some of you work out um, religiously. Some of you work out three, four times a week, five times a week. That's denying the flesh. Some of you eat so good, you only eat certain things, and uh, you're on gluten-free diets, and you're vegetarians. And again, those are great things to do, and, and you do it well because you're denying your flesh. You're denying yourself. How much more should we do those things for the Lord? Amen? How much more should we just jump in spiritually and say, Lord, I I carry this cross because I know that you walk with me and that you're going to help me throughout my life. Amen? Here, Jesus declared in a scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. It's not in your outline, but Ephesians chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. It says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. That is what the Lord is looking for in disciples. Why do we do it? We do it unto God. Every time we come here on Sunday mornings and we set up and then we tear down, we're not doing it for Pastor Rick. We're doing it as a church unto our Lord. Amen? We're doing it together. And we do it, and let's never lose that focus. What we do here is unto God. Amen? Amen. We must always do it unto God. And this principle will never, ever change. No matter if we leave from this building and go into a permanent building, that principle never changes. It always remains the same. We do it unto the Lord. And because of that, we're positioned in Christ to receive victory because of that, as long as we're doing it unto the Lord. So here we go with the cost. There is a cost to this Christian walk. and Let's read that scripture, verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Now, that's such a, to me, self-explanatory verse there because... I remember when I was working as an estimator for my, for my brother-in-law's business. He's a, he owns a construction company, and I worked for him as an estimator for three years, I believe. And um, So we would sit down, and I'd go through the job, and, and I'd put it together, the cost, the labor cost. And if it wasn't feasible to do that job, we weren't going to bid on it. It'd be crazy to bid on it if we couldn't afford to run that job. Anybody here ever do something similar where you look at the cost, and whether it's in your family? Okay, we want to buy a new car. Well, what do you do first? You look at the cost. What's it going to cost you? How much is the impact? Is it going to be a big impact on your budget? Can you afford it? It's foolish for you to just go there, oh, I want a car today, and go buy a car and not be able to afford it. That's foolishness. I remember for many years, 
There's this road over here that goes to Napa. It's called the Southern Crossing. I believe it's now called the Butler Bridge on the south end of Napa. But for years, how many remember this, that bridge sat uncompleted. It was started, and then for years it sat unfinished. Just completely unfinished. It was amazing. The I believe it was the state at that time ran out of funds to complete the process. And so it was a bridge. They called it the bridge to nowhere. For many years, it sat like that over the Napa River. And we've all seen things like that. They're close by my house. There's a shopping center that was going to be built in Vallejo at that time. I think it's called Northgate. And it sits as an empty parking lot right now. There was going to be a shopping, I believe it was going to be a Trader Joe's at one time years ago. And it sits there unoccupied right now. And because, you know, Vallejo ran into some city problems, bankruptcy and and so forth. But it's foolishness for us to not estimate and count the cost. Count the cost. So here today, if you haven't yet decided on on living for for the Lord, know that there is a cost. Know that there is a cost. God wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. If he wants if if you expect him to be the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the Old Testament, he wants all of you today. Amen. All of you. Jesus used this simple illustration to declare that profound truth that you must Count the cost, right? The Bible also goes on to say that those that endure until the end shall be saved. And I love that scripture because it reminds me that, yes, there is a cost. Yes, there are trials that we will face. And I'm not here to bring gloom and doom to you today because there are many times of rejoicing. I rejoice every time I get to be with, in fellowship with each of you. But I'm just reminding you there is a cost. There is a cost. When I remember years ago when my son passed away when he was in the Navy, that that's a cost to me as a as a believer in the sense that um, the Lord walked with me through all that pain. But I I remember thinking, man, I would not want to be a person that loses their child and not have God with them. How do they manage that? And the Lord, I remember reminding me as he gave me this peace that passes all understanding. He said, I'm walking with you through this process. You're not alone. You're not alone. And I couldn't help but think of people that don't know the Lord and have to go through that. I mean, that's a greater cost to me, in my opinion, than what I went through at that point. Because here, I knew that I could put my trust in God in the most difficult time in my life ever, ever since then and up to this point. I walked with Him because He gave me a peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. I couldn't understand it. It was a peace. Just, you know, my 20-year-old son gone. But, but the Lord said, I walk with you. I give you the strength that you need as my disciple. And that was, that was a cost I, I feel that I, I walked with the Lord. And because of me investing in the Lord and putting Him as number one, He fully invested Himself in me and gave me peace and strength. Amen? Amen. There's another key thing here. This is one of the principles that my dad taught us all as kids. But start what you finish. Start what you finish. If you start 
One day, today, if this is the day that you decide today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with God. I'm going to just, from this day forward, decide to follow the Lord. Well, then complete it. Don't quit halfway. Don't, don't begin something and, and say, ah, it's, it's too hard. I don't know about this going to church every Sunday. Man, that's tough. You know, even a weekly Bible study on occasion. Oh, man, that's tough. Count the cost, amen. I, I got to pick on my wife Anna. She's in kids' church this morning, but she loves. To, she's a multitasker at home when it comes to cleaning, right? So she'll start cleaning in one room. She'll have bottles of this and that, and then she'll go on, and then all of a sudden she'll break out the vacuum cleaner, and then in about two hours, I'm looking. I'm going. There's a vacuum cleaner out there. There's simple green over here, and and nothing got finished, but everything got started, and nothing got finished, right, girls? They're, they're shaking. <laughs> they're shaking in, in agreement there. And I'm just saying that if we're going to start something, let's finish it. Let's finish it. Amen? Amen. Men, do I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right. Thank you, men. But let's start. Let's finish what we start. If you lay a foundation, let's continue to build upon that. Amen? Here's the problem. Those who fail to calculate the cost face the risk of losing everything. If my brother-in-law had allowed me to do those certain estimates that would have bankrupted his company, not only would I have been his ex-employee and fired, but it would have possibly cost him his livelihood. But we didn't go there. We chose not to go there. And so I'm asking you today, count the cost. What is it going to take for me to be that disciple that, that the Lord wants me to be? Count the cost. Be aware of it. Amen? Amen. Serving the Lord is a serious endeavor that requires your commitment. It requires your commitment. Every one of you here that are parents, you know, you, you got this beautiful little baby, and when you first have this little baby, there's no, there's no handbook that they give you at the hospital that says, here's the SOP for being a, a, a healthy parent, right? Did anybody get that SOP? Because I didn't get it. Okay, because it doesn't exist. They give you the baby, put them in the car seat, as they wave to you from the hospital, right? And they never see you again, right? And, and it's up to us to raise this baby. It's a responsibility that we have. You don't choose one day, Robert and Nessie aren't going to say, ah, oh, I'm too tired to watch Ines today. I'm just going to leave her in bed all day. No, that's their responsibility. They're going to follow through on whatever it takes to take care of their young baby. And all of us, spiritually speaking, it's no different. We must continue to finish that work. We, can't, we don't just walk away from it. We continue it. Amen? Yeah. Here's one thing I do want to point out before I go to the next point. is Our failure to remain faithful sometimes can bring a black eye to the church and to God. Do you know that? Our failure to be faithful, meaning if you are unfaithful to the Lord... If you backslide, if you do things that are not faithful to the Lord, that can bring reproach upon you and upon the church. One of the things that you always need to be aware of is that you are a disciple and you are the light of Christ everywhere you go. You are His light. You are His Word speaking into the lives of other people. Whether you realize that at that moment or not, you're speaking into somebody's life. And if they see something in you that's not like godly, they're going to go like... Okay, check. You know, they're going to remember that. 
And that's actually going to speak louder than anything else, is your failings and shortcomings. But here's the thing uh, that's truthful, though. We all have shortcomings. All of us here, again, I like to say we're imperfect people in an imperfect world, but God helps us through that process. Amen? God is mighty, and He's a wonderful Savior, and we serve Him. Amen? Amen. Help us to have foresight, Lord. In verses 31, it says this, Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? Again, much like my brother-in-law's business, we would get a, uh, a job submitted to us, and it was up to us to bid on it. Right away, we'd look at the scope, the size of the job, and say, okay, is this something that we can do in the time frame that they're expecting it to be done within that certain budget that they're expecting it to be done? That's the very first thing you do before you start even pricing anything. And then, at that point, you, you count the cost. You count the cost. You have foresight to see where you're going to be. And if that works out, then you proceed with it. It's, it's no different in your spiritual life. Today, if you are living with unsaved people, if you have unsaved relatives, do you know that every time you're praying, you say a prayer for them, you tell them to come over here and you love on them, do you know that with foresight you can see them walking with the Lord down the road? Down the road, they will be walking with the Lord. If that's you today, I want you to be encouraged that continue to pray for them. Continue to tell that young little girl or little boy, Hey, you know there's this great story in the Bible about this, this man named Samuel. Or about this, this little kid named David. And he killed this, this giant named Goliath. And uh, share these wonderful stories. And with foresight, because you know with God all things are possible, that child is going to soon walk in the ways of the Lord. You've got to continue to believe it. Amen? There's verse 32. It says this, and this is a failure on our, on our end. The verse says, If he is not able, he will send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off, and will ask for terms of peace. Failure to plan will kill us. We have to be constantly planning spiritually. Uh, have to have foresight. But you have to plan ahead of time. Uh, we do this at work. If you have a job tomorrow that you go to, you plan ahead of time. Things just don't happen by accident. There's a plan behind everything. We're planning for our May picnic. We've also talked about a camping event that I haven't mentioned yet that's going to be coming up at the end of summer when we get some better rates off peak season. We're going to announce that as well camping over here in Grizzly Island and uh, Bran- what, excuse me? Brannan. Brannan Island sorry and um, so we do different things like that here in our church but we have to plan ahead amen in the same vein we have to have fortitude verse 33 says this in the same way those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples that's a that's a very strong verse there. Let me say that again. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So, so what's that telling me, Pastor Rick? Does that mean i got to give up my house and my cars? No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that if they're taking primary position of your life, if that's your idol, 
Because you know a home can be an idol, a car can be an idol, a travel trailer can be an idol, um, your, your children can become an idol if you lift them up so high, your spouse can become an idol. Be careful of that. Make sure that whatever you have, whatever God has entrusted you with, that it doesn't take and supplant the place of God. Amen? God always remains number one. Here's, here's how our relationships work as spouses. You're right here, and your spouse is right here. And if God is right here, as you two walk together, guess what happens? You draw closer to the Lord. Amen? That's, uh, you've heard me say that here many times. I've seen that in the lives of people here that are Christ-driven, that both of you have Christ as number one. And that is the greatest, greatest relationship you'll ever have when you put Christ number one. Can I get an amen? Oh, yeah. Amen? I'm going to close here, but uh, with these words here. The cost of discipleship means giving up on your own desires, on your own desires, as you submit them to the will of God. Let me say that again. The cost of discipleship means giving up on your own desires as you submit them to the will of God. It means that you do what is right in His eyes, even if it costs you something on this earth. Even if it costs you, if it, if it hurts you. Maybe financially, maybe physically in that moment, if you know it's the right thing to do, take that cross up and bear it because there will come a season where God's going to reward you for that faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Every Christian needs to count the cost of what it means to be a disciple this morning and not just be giving lip service. And that's why, again, I'm thankful for our church. They're, They're hardworking people here, sacrificing other time. But let's count the cost. Amen. I want to ask you this morning as we close, are you among those this morning who have counted that cost? Are you among those that have counted the cost and decided to follow Jesus this morning? If you're part of this church, that's what expect that's what's expected. If you if you are taking the words of Jesus, follow me, it's expected for you to count the cost and walk in faithfulness. Amen. I want to ask you this morning, if you're struggling this morning to follow Jesus or never have taken that that first step, and this morning you've heard Him calling you, you heard Him speak to you, maybe it was in the songs that you heard this morning, maybe it was something that's even unrelated to what I'm saying here today, but it's all trying to, starting to make sense, and you feel that God is speaking to you. Well, that's the Holy Spirit this morning. And what He wants from you is to put Him number one in your life. And I promise promise you that when you begin to do that, He now is going to pour out blessing on your life. But not just that, He's going to walk with you so that you have peace when you need peace. You have wisdom when you, have, when you need wisdom. You'll have healing when you need healing in your body. Amen? If that's you today... I want you to just contemplate those words that Jesus asked His disciples. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Let that resonate right now for a second in your mind and in your spirit. Follow me. If you're struggling to follow Him this morning, just consider those words that I just said, that He'll walk with you. This morning with our heads bowed, 
We come to you, Lord, this morning. And I thank you that you give us an opportunity to come and worship you today, to be in the house of God. Lord, we have counted the cost. And Lord, we choose to walk with you. We choose to follow you, Lord. Wherever you take us, wherever you lead us, God, we will follow you, Lord. Whatever comes our way, Lord, we will follow you. Father God, I pray, Lord, this morning that that would be the desire of every person in this building today. Every listener, whether it's here or whether it's on the internet, on SoundCloud. Lord, I pray every person that hears this message would have that desire to follow you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us today. Help us to seek your help, to seek you, to seek your face to receive strength from you, Lord, today to make that choice.